You are listening to the Photobomb Podcast with the world's greatest photographers, Boo Ray and Gary. Welcome to the Photobomb Podcast. My name is Boo Ray Perry and joining me as always is Gary Hughes. Sup. Sup. All right. Uh, let, me, let me talk about Delta. Delta, Delta, Delta. Let me tell you about what happened to me when I was at the IPC and I was flying home. Okay. Okay. We, we like, I like to talk about customer service. We travel a lot. So we do. Airlines are, you know. So I have a flight on Delta that leaves at 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. Flying home to Tampa from Atlanta. That should take about 45 minutes in yeah. the air. Yeah. So we, uh, we get done early. So I go to the airport and I get there about 1. And what Delta, time's your flight? Delta is at 8. 8. Okay. But Delta <clears throat> has a flight leaving every hour. To, Atlanta, to Tampa from Atlanta. And I check and I see that there's open seats on all of them. So I get there and I say, hey, I'd like to uh, hop an earlier flight if I can. They said, no problem. Put your thing in. We'd punch it up on the screen. And the guy says, oh, you don't have the option to do that. And I said, I don't. He said, no, you have the economy ticket. No changes can be made to it, et cetera. You have to buy a whole new ticket. And I said, uh, okay, but, um, you know, you, you got a plane leaving in 20 minutes with empty seats on it. I've already paid to be flown there later today. And I have $50 in my hand that I want to give you. Why don't you want to take my fifty? Shut up and take my money. Why don't you want to take my fifty dollars to do to do the thing that you're going to do anyway in a couple of hours? He says, "Well, we can't do it." So then I call in to the Delta uh, reservation people, thinking because actually uh, Rich Newell says to me, he said, "Well, you know, call and give him a sob story, and maybe they'll fix it." So I call in. I talk to the girl there, and, Tell she's, him and she said, died or something. "Let me check. Let me check with the. Uh, let me check with my supervisor." She comes back and she says, "Don't shoot the messenger, but there's nothing you can do. You have a ticket for eight o'clock, and that ticket is an economy ticket." And I said, "But I have this money I want to give you." To do something you're already doing anyway, it's not going. To, it's, it's just free money, and you don't want to take oh, it. Oh, this is the type of thing you hate. Yeah, when there's a rule and there's no reason. And for there's it. no reason for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And she says, and she says no. And I said, okay. Well, what if I pay to upgrade my ticket on my flight to a ticket level that then allows me to give you the fifty dollars? How much would it be to upgrade to a ticket that then allows me to give you fifty dollars and up and and fly out on the next flight? She said, let me go and check. And she comes back and she says. Okay, well, she's. I don't think I could do that for you, but even if I could, uh, there, the, there is no tickets available on that flight that are an upgrade from your ticket. I said, I'm not going to be on that flight. It doesn't matter if there's any seats available on that flight for this ticket because I'm not going to be on the flight. Oh, we're in a rant now. We're I just need okay. you to upgrade me. I'll pay you $100 to upgrade to the next ticket level, then I'll pay you 50 bucks to get to the next... And she's like, there's nothing I can do for you. So I sit there in the airport for six hours. Could you buy a plane, a one-way ticket on one of the other flights for $150? I suppose I could. Not for 150 bucks. no. I guarantee it would have been more. So I, um, so I sit there for six hours watching plane after plane leave with empty seats on it, flying to home. Just and, stewing. And just, just stewing. Uh, whatever. I'm like, okay, yeah. Pull out the phone, watch Deep Space Nine, eat some fried chicken. That's what I did. So then I get on my plane. There are people on standby. The plane is full, and there are people on standby who can't get on my plane because it's full, because I'm on it. That seat could have been empty, Delta. You could have flown me home four hours ago and put one more person... Oh, my God. Don't they win awards for their customer service? I don't, and you know, and, and, but of course, you know, I don't just go crazy because I think about it. And I'm like, okay, there has to be a reason. And I guess the reason is you buy an economy ticket and, they, and it's a ticket and if they're going to, if they're going to give you the very best price, then they have to give you all the massive restrictions. And I'm thinking, but are there people who are abusing this? Like they buy the economy ticket and they come to the airport and I want to, 
I don't understand why they have to charge you more money for a ticket so that later you can pay more money to upgrade. Why can't you just charge me money if I want to upgrade? Why do I have to pay more money for a ticket that can be, to have, to have the option of upgrading? Why, why do I pay for an option whether or not I use it? I don't know. Why can't you just say, I don't know. $75 to upgrade no matter who you are? I'm sorry. I'm sorry that happened to you. I'm it sorry. Was it was just. It was, it was just stupid. Look, do you want, do you want to hug? I don't want to hug. You don't want to hug. No, it I out. don't. You big sweaty bear. <laughs> I, am I, I do. I do not want to hug. But come on, if it had been you, you'd have been you'd been crazy. Yeah. Well, for I would have probably just bought a ticket on another airline if there was one. <laughs> <laughs> Get me home now. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like oh, Delta. Their their uh, what's their tagline? Where life's a nightmare. Delta. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I but you know I could have done that, but ultimately it would have been do I do I want to pay a hundred and something bucks or maybe or two hundred bucks whatever just to get home four hours earlier or five no it's really not worth it it's not like if i get home that much earlier what am i going to do with that time that's going to justify the 200 dollars expense you know what you get when you're at the airport by yourself this is my favorite part about being by the airport by myself i put my headphones on i get netflix on i get some food and i sit there and i just that's what i did i just relax yeah i just said there's there. nobody that wants my attention yeah there's nothing i can do for anyone i'm just there at the airport Right. Loving my alone. I mean, time. there's almost something when you own your own business, especially times like that, and times when you have a long drive somewhere and you can listen to podcasts are actually like therapeutic. Absolutely, because it's the only time you actually get to unplug. Absolutely, no, no, 100. percent Like flying, being at the airport by myself. Like when we travel as a family, and we got the baby, and we got we got so much freaking luggage. Especially when I travel, like when we went to Creative Live, and I had to take all my gear with me, and then we had that in the carriage and the baby and the whole nine yards, and so it can be. A lot. But when I travel by myself, it's just me and my little case. Yeah. And I just go. And it's, it's the best. I love it. I love that alone time at the airport. I, I, will, I will get to the airport three hours early just if, I, if I've got a flight in the afternoon. And I'm not necessarily – unless it's like a long, long wait and I'm really, really, really hurrying to get home. I won't even – I'm like, nope. I'm just going to have some me time. And, and honestly, it can be – you, know, you, you think it is now. Wait until you have another child like and you've got a 10-year-old and a 12-year-old in the house and it's summertime. There's no quiet time ever. Mm. There's no sit in a chair and enjoy a, a nice read for an hour in your house. That's never going to happen. Nope. Never. Except, so, for, except for after they go to bed at 9 o'clock and there's like the 30 minutes before you pass No, out. no, no. <laughs> they go to bed at 9, 30, 10 and then it's up, down, up, down, up, down until 11. So there's, that doesn't happen. By the time they finally get to sleep and, and okay, I, now I can relax, it's time to go. You to get bed. halfway through an episode of The Wire before you I'm pass not kidding out. you. Yeah. It takes us two weeks to watch one show. <laughs> Easily. <laughs> two weeks. I, I know. I, speaking of, uh, speaking of uh, travel and stuff, I like, uh, just spent some time in one of the coolest cities I've ever been. Seattle? Vancouver. Vancouver. Okay, because you okay, so you went up to do Creative Line, and yes. this is your second time. Now, did you do it in the same studio as before? Um, it's actually my third time. The first time though was Photo oh, Week, right. so it was only a short. Me. It was like sorry. a ninety-minute. Of course, it was your third time. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Sure, it was your third time. But um, I had never been to. Oh, I'll just drop stuff. Just put that anywhere. Um, yeah, we, Seattle's great. I enjoy Seattle very much. Um, and we, what was interesting about it is that they have two offices, and one in San Francisco and one in Seattle. And if I had done my class like two weeks later, like this week or whatever, it would have been um, in San Francisco instead of Seattle. But the Seattle crew is great. We love everybody over there. And the first time they have two studios and one's kind of a smaller studio and the other one's like the big stage with the camera on a crane and the whole nine yards. And um, my first time there, photo week, I was in like the little room doing it. And when like, and it was like Sue Bryce and everybody else was in like the big room doing their classes. So I was like, got to be in studio B or whatever. But this time I'm in Studio A, which is pretty cool. And I got to tell you, that teaching format is stressful. 
Well, it's a long... I mean, it's the, how many days? It's two days. Or My class was two days. They, they do longer. But it's like two days of four 90-minute segments per day. So it's like two morning and two afternoon segments. But you're teaching to a room full of people. And then you've also got all the crew sort of directing you. And you also know that there are thousands of photographers watching you online, like if you screw something up. Because literally have a live chat room going, and if you do something that somebody doesn't like, they get right They're on gonna it. They're going to start talking. They had one guy comment in, in the chat room while I was teaching. He goes like... Um, like the business stuff was good, but don't learn lighting or posing from this guy. He doesn't know what he's doing. And I'm like, <laughs> what is wrong with people? <laughs> I don't know. Like, first of all, what is wrong with people? Dude, can you not just ignore? Can you not just, people can't walk away. I, you know, I just, first of all, there are overwhelmingly positive and people are very supportive. And pe- most people know how difficult it is to do that. Cause I would say that there are, um, Different levels. You can be a great photographer, and that's one thing all on its own. You can be a great teacher, and that's another thing all on its own. But to be a also a great photography teacher who can also live demo is really hard. Live demoing is the hardest thing to do in photography education, I think. To like set up and shoot with equipment that's not your equipment in a room that's not your room with a whole bunch of photographers watching you being critical of what you're doing. The, right. that, that is the hardest thing to do in photography. In fact, for PPA, for Imaging USA, on the Speaker Selection Committee, we are always looking for demo instructors and we're like no well no and then when we put somebody in a demo room a lot of times really accomplished photography instructors have trouble doing a demo instead of just teaching off of a keynote or a powerpoint it's funny because i'm actually moving in that i've moved in that direction now i i like when i'm going uh when i'm going up to natick to do the uh one day deal where is natick it's in massachusetts oh good <laughs> have you been practicing i've been saying practicing massachusetts, massachusetts. <laughs> i have a problem sometimes with my ch sounds is it because of the cancer? Because of the cancer. Ah. Uh, and so anyway, uh, but I've actually been moving to uh, getting my PowerPoint stuff shorter and shorter because I want to get straight to shooting. Because I think that's what people really, I think, I think you learn more when, you, when you're watching it being done than you are when they're talking about it. I, I agree partially because when I've, I've seen you teach before and you are really good at the, at the keynote part. And, right, and, and, and that, and which the, is maybe why I'm, I'm going in the, dire- the direction. Inter- you're is very, that- you're entertaining, and you get across information. Like I've never seen anybody teach the inverse square law in a way that was as amusing, <laughs> like to where I didn't want to fall asleep. You right, know? but uh, yeah, no. So it's it's a tough thing to do, and it's really nerve wracking to do it, knowing that you know fifteen thousand, twenty thousand people are watching you do yeah. it all, all live. Yeah, you know, and so. <clears throat> And and the thing is, did that, you change shirts during the show? No, I didn't. I, just between the two days, but no, <laughs> okay. I didn't. So I, I wore a jacket, a really dark jacket, right. so that. It, and here's, I actually sweat through my undershirt, my dress shirt, and my jacket had actually had started to by the end of the day had started between segments. I had to take my jacket off and like hang dry it so that you should put maxi pads under your arms, dude. I I have too much pride. I just can't do it. <laughs> I thought about it. Yeah, I, I seriously it thought work. about it. It would work, but imagine if I'm like teaching and alive on comes and, out and I like reach up to change a light and the maxi pad falls out of my shirt I'm like well that would be so great yeah hopefully they'd edit that out later on oh. but it, yeah it's an awesome teaching experience in the class and they'll replay it a million times if anybody missed it but oh, oh cool thing in the class there were several people who they had selected to be in the live audience who were actually listeners to the show oh uh, Savannah was there I know Savannah who is a uh, she is a reluctant listener of the show she listens to the show because I give her a hard time about not listening to the show oh really like if she if, she, if um, uh, she's in Pittsburgh area and she's uh, good friends with my wife and I and I I know Savannah because she came to Las Vegas with us when right. we shot that convention. Right. And um, so she'll listen to the show like if 
uh, we're going to have a visit, like she's coming to Orlando or we're going to be somewhere at imaging or somewhere together, she will listen to the last four or five episodes, like binge listen, just to be caught up. So that she, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but we also had, by uh, the way, I'm going to be in Houston in November shooting a wedding. And if you listen to this show and you want a second shoot a wedding in Houston in November, send me an email, Blu-ray at Blu-rayperry.com. Blu-ray at Blu-rayperry. No, Blu-ray at Blu-rayperry. Massachusetts. Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that would be cool. I would love to second shoot a wedding with you, hey, actually. come on. We're going to Houston, dude. I owe you one, don't I? Yeah, you can come to Houston. All right, cool. So, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but it's... Uh, it's uh, In the audience, we had uh, Carol and Kathy were both listeners to the show. In fact, um, uh, Carol even said to me, uh, after we had, fin- we had wrapped recording, and she said that it's her favorite podcast. And how many podcasts does she listen Only to? Only one. There's just us. <laughs> No, she said she looks forward to it every week. I thought really? that was really nice. So, so Carol, thanks a lot for saying oh, thank that. Thank you, Carol. Kathy even asked me if I was going to do my Randy Van Dyne and riding on a unicorn thing on Creative Live. Three, two, uh, no, one. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. You're not going to do it? No, maybe later. Maybe. We'll, we'll get it in there somewhere. Oh, but, you know, now, now I'm yearning there are for people it. who... Now we I'm have, yearning for We it. have things that people like that we're doing. I'm, I'm they look forward to. I'm blown what away. What do they look forward to? They look forward to Randy Van Dyne riding on a unicorn. Boo Ray going on a rant. Boo Ray going... <laughs> <laughs> going on a rant, which is pretty much every every episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? What else are our, our what, what other hooks do we have? It's the cancer. It's the cancer. <laughs> what else do we have? <laughs> my my the different way I say hello every week. That's right. You say hello in a different way every week. Yeah, it's um, just very entertaining. And I maybe that's maybe that's about it. That's pretty much it. We yeah. really don't have any hooks. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, well, you know, we we build more. This is actually episode 84. Yes, and we have one hook, like two hooks. Maybe (laughs) it's time to to put some more hooks in the show. It's been two two years now. To to quit. We'll just call it a day. So you go, you do the thing. It's two days of con, and and that's so much talking. It's a lot. Yeah, and the first day, the mistake that I made. Um, cause if you, if you go on creative live and you watch the course, like you can watch the difference, they break it up into segments and you can watch them in any order that you want based on kind of what lesson you want to learn. Um, but the first day was all keynote, which last time I did a keynote shoot, keynote shoot. And I swear to God, that was six solid hours of just giving a keynote presentation. That's a lot. Yeah, dude. At the end, I was worried I wasn't going to have a voice the next day. See, so cause when you're doing shoot, when you're doing live shoot, then opportunities, things to talk about, present themselves. Right, absolutely. Automatically, as you shoot, you go to do something, you go, oh, and then you talk about everything you're doing, and so, and then people will ask questions. So People ask a lot more questions when you're shooting. Absolutely. So that's why I, I've been moving in that direction away from keynote, because when I'm doing keynote, I, I think they're all just sitting here thinking, when are you going to start shooting? Because that's what we, I, I want to see you do this thing you're talking about. I think it depends on the level of photographers. I think newer photographers um, a lot of times want you to shoot, and I think that people in the business a while, they want you to give them the numbers. Oh, that's true. I don't want to. I, people, don't, I don't care if you're shooting. People go crazy on the business stuff. We get so much response from that when I'm teaching numbers and business. You get people, you see their pens come out and they're furiously right. scribbling well, because down because we don't notes. know. No one knows. When am I supposed to be charging? How do I bid on this deal? That's the biggest thing is when, when I talk about my pricing for headshots and for, for professional portraits and stuff. That's the biggest thing. That I still come about. I come to you all the time. If I have a, I, 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 I'm, I'll contact you. Uh, Gary, what would you charge for this? Because, I mean, you know, hey, you do, do it so much, I figure you've, run, you've ironed out most of the bumps. Well, yeah, yeah, well, but it's funny. I get a lot of photographers who I really have admired for a long time will call me and ask me about this type of work because I've been specializing in it for a long time. 
and then, it makes you feel good though, doesn't it? You know, it, it, it it's awkward um, because somebody will call and and who who is like a friend of my parents and who's been a photographer for like thirty years, and they'll be like, okay, so uh, what? You, uh, and I and I just let people talk it out themselves, and then they go, yeah, okay, just thought I was. I'm, I'm already. Most people when they call, they already got the right idea. Right. They just want somebody to affirm it. I go, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like I can't tell you what to charge, but I can tell you, you know, to charge something and to make sure that it's worth your time. But it's figuring out. I think looking at pricing, people are too concerned with looking at pricing per job. It's like, what do I price for this job? What do I price for this job? What do I price for this job? What you need to do is look at the larger picture and say, how much money do I want to make? How much and how many jobs do I want to shoot per year? And now you know how much you want to be making per average or average per job. You know that you're doing. Yeah, but and, it's not so simple that you can just pick that number and say, "Well, I want to shoot one job every three weeks, and I want to make two hundred thousand dollars a year." So this is what I'm but, going to charge. That's not going to work. It is that absolutely is a great place to start. It's a good structure. It's a good way to build the bones. It's like deciding if you want to have a high volume business or a low volume business or somewhere in the middle. And then you look at your market and you say, "Well, this is you have to balance it. This is realistically what I can charge in my market. And here there are already people doing this, and there are already people doing this. So I'm going to serve this underserved area." and you build your business model around that total number, it's a good place to start. It's going to evolve as you go, but I think people go like, okay, I've got this job coming up next week, and uh, I'm going to charge them $500 for it, and they're only focused on that job. Right. And I think that the key is you have to be focused on your year and your five years and how much money you want to make. And then you, if you start there and work backwards, you're going to figure out what to charge. Right. You know, and you have to balance it against your market. But too many people are just going job to job. What do I charge for this job? What do I charge for this job? And I think you should think about how much money you want to make before you think about what you're going to charge for the job. For me, a big thing was coming to a number that I wanted to say, this is what I'm worth per hour. Yeah. When I'm working, this is what I'm worth per hour. And once I came up with a number that I thought that was my number, it makes it much easier when you get that weird quote request or whatever. It makes it much easier to go, okay, if this is what I'm worth per hour, how many hours am I going to put into this? Okay, then this is my quote. Yeah. And whether or not they take it, I don't know, but at least I'm coming from a consistent place. It's not a bad not a bad idea to have an hourly rate because right. even if you charge half days or full days, somebody's always going to come in with an odd request. Right. And a lot, what we typically do is I'll say, okay, well, it's up to four hours, half day, and you've got a three hour job, so it's going to be a half day rate. And I always do that because there's always more. There's always more that they want. And I always, no matter what, I always end up giving them more time than they paid for. Um, there's almost never a job where if they book a half a day, where I'm not there an hour ahead of time and I'm there 45 minutes after. Right. So if their job is three hours, I don't, it doesn't bother me to charge them a half day rate. You know what I mean? Let me ask you this. Let's backtrack a little bit. When you were talking about the guy coming in and talking bad and, and et cetera, et cetera, don't come to this guy for lighting. Do you find that this is especially, and I, this is especially true around IPC time when, when, uh, when you and I and everyone else is trying desperately to come up with images to enter in competition yeah. and this yeah. sort of stuff. Do you find then, um, because you don't do it, and, and I don't do it, but I think it. I'll be putting on something on Facebook because I'm just talking about, oh, here's a picture I shot yesterday or, or whatever. And you almost, you want to apologize. You want to post this picture, and then sometimes, and then you're like, just so you know, I know that this is, could be better, and this could be better, and this could be better. And I know that, you know, and then you have to stop yourself and go, no, it's, it's okay. It's good. In other words, when you spend so much time around really, really top level Photography, the people that we hang, we and know, getting your stuff evaluated, and getting your stuff evaluated by those people. You find it um, an image that five years ago you would have been so proud to show the world. Right now, you're like, I feel like I have to explain why there's mistakes in this image for the people that I know that will see those mistakes. I feel like I do that 
every time I post an image and then like a, and I will, I will look at it over and over again and just, I'll look at it on a bunch of different devices to make sure that it looks good on mobile, that it looks good on, you know, my laptop and my, my Mac or whatever. And, um, and then I'll be so proud of it. And then two weeks later, I'll be like, God, I want a piece of garbage. You know, and I think that's just sort of the nature of our, of our profession. But, it's all, but I mean, I, I will not necessarily think it's a piece of garbage, but I'll be worried that you will. No. You know what I mean? No. Like, like I'm, I'm like, I post it and I'm like, okay, but I, I bet you Gary's going to be like, eh. Most of the, the no. <laughs> you know, or, or one of my other friends is going to be, eh. No, I, I think that, um, I, like, here's the thing. I know you well enough. Don't, I don't need to object to anything on the internet. Like if it's a photo- well, no, I, and I know you wouldn't object unless on I'm in unless I'm in a group that's specific for create cr- cr- uh, critiques for photographers. Right. Like I'm in the headshot group, Lori Patrick's headshot group, and I'm in the pro photo talk with Boo Ray Perry and a few others. Um, other than that, like there's no way that I'm ever going to critique. No, I know I know you wouldn't critique, but when you go to post a picture, especially because you are positioned with so many headshots, when you go to put a headshot, aren't you a little? more concerned about I don't want to slip up here and put a headshot out there that's going to come back to bite me in the ass. Yeah, I don't. First of all, you can always delete it later. And second, <laughs> I have done that before. <laughs> Go back you later. Know, you know what? I should have put that. The thing is, you just need, the thing is with being online, you just need content on your Facebook page, on your Instagram. Yeah, content, and, that, and content, that's content. my problem. You need so content. I'm just so, posting work all the time. Right. Like most photographers, they go through very slow periods and very busy periods. It's a seasonal business for a lot of people, especially wedding photographers and stuff like that. Whereas mine tends to be year round, but there's still slow weeks and I'm going back to shoots that were a couple of weeks ago just to have something to post. And, um, you know, it's, uh, I just don't think about it. Like I'm, I'm, here's the thing. Like I am actively and you are too putting myself out there as an instructor and as an expert on certain things. And you just have to go, you just have to realize just like that guy who commented in the Cray live live chat room. And there, I'm sure there, there were others. They don't, they tend to not, they tend to try and shield you from any negative criticism sure. while the broadcast sure. is going yeah. on. Um, and so, uh, I th- yeah. just want to interrupt you for a second there, Gary, to let you know. This guy thinks you suck. John Q R S thinks you suck. Yeah. Continue. Keep, keep, keep going. You're killing it, champ. <laughs> uh, but, um, you, you know, you just have to realize that, uh, very good advice. Uh, and I'm always giving advice that my dad gave me. And this is, the, this is a truth. I remember, and I might even told this story on the show before, but before I spoke at, um, uh, at imaging USA for the first time, this would be 20 January, 2014. And I, um, I was getting ready to get on stage and, and I was up early in the morning and I was really like, I was really anxious about it the night before. And so I, I called my dad as I do often in times of crisis. And, and I was like, dad, I'm going to be this room full of photographers and like, they're all going to be this and they're going to be better. And he goes, look, he goes, you're not going to stand up and teach in a room where there's not somebody in there who's better than you at something said, you're not talking to them. You're talking to the people who need to hear what you have to say. Focus on that and ignore everybody else. And so I think that that's how I've taken that piece of advice and approached my photography teaching because I'm primarily a photographer. I teach on the side, and it's not my primary business. But, however, I realize that if you put yourself out there as an instructor, um, it's you're, you're going to open yourself up for criticism. Just sure. like in any public forum, if you stand up and you open your mouth, you've got to expect feedback. You've got to expect blowback. And that's just, you just have to deal with it. And I'm just, I'm pretty much over the, I'm pretty much over the negative. Sometimes somebody says something that's so ignorant and naive and irritating that you just go, like I think on one of the reviews on the, on the course page for my most recent grade of live was like, um, Checked out his website. Works pretty good. Some people could probably learn something from this. 
that was his review. And I'm like, not me, but there's probably uh, some people, you know, because no matter what, like I'm putting myself out there because there are people who do everything better than I do. And that's great. And I respect those people and I probably follow them on Facebook and wish I was like them, but I don't expect them to benefit from what I'm teaching. Um, but I, there are a lot of people out there that are new that need help with, with, more basic stuff too that I'm helping those people a lot and I just focus on the positive feedback that I get and and you know you want to list to the people that are closest to you that are that are going to give you honest feedback you know your your close friends and your close family and they're going to be like yeah you probably should have worn maxi pads under your armpits for that one you know but it's it's just the way that it is <laughs> I'm telling you I think that would work You're gonna, I know I've been actually been suggested or better yet before. just take up like some depends and cut them up you can do Botox in your armpits that's what you need. Yeah. That's what you need, dude. Yeah, yeah. Or, or I could just go to the doctor and see if I have armpit cancer. <laughs> That's what you need, though. You need the Botox shots. That's the sort of thing that if you did it, you'd be so addicted to it instantly. I've, I've read, actually read into it. And this is funny because I do, I have um, hyperhidrosis, which it just basically means I sweat a lot. And I sweat profusely out of my armpits. Hyperhidrosis also sounds like a Marvel villain. <laughs> <laughs> or no, no, it's the weapon that. Oh uses. no, he's going to blast us with the hyperhidrosis cannon. It's hyperhidrosis. <laughs> All right. So uh, basically, as I sweat a lot out of my armpits, but then like um, if I'm active and I'm out sweating, like I don't sweat abnormally from there. It just sort of Everywhere. disseminates over right. the rest of my sweaty body. This is kind of gross, but if you, I've, I've read from people who have had the Botox on their armpits, they just sweat more profusely in another area of their body. Like, oh, so it wouldn't help. It's coming out of you. It's coming out once. <laughs> so what if I get Botox plug, on my armpits yeah. and I get really bad, like, butt sweat, and now yeah. my butt's got a big wet if you spot plug on one, plug one hole, it's coming out someplace else. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know, just deal with it. I'm, you know, changing under your shirt once a day, and you're fine. No big deal. I, I live in Florida. To- if I move to Vancouver, which, by the way, what, what temperature is it today? It's like 95. Yeah, it was 107 in Dallas yesterday yeah and and, and uh, it was 68 and sunny in vancouver when i left nice. 68 it, yeah it was oh, oh man yes, it was so nice, nice. if i was going to nice. move if, if i was going to expatriate to another country vancouver I, in the summer vancouver yeah but let's you, head up there in december it's january actually, it's actually pretty temperate compared to the rest of canada really it's like the compared to canada that's like saying you know well, like he's, Seattle, he's tall compared to the rest of the, in the pacific northwest <laughs> in the pacific northwest is actually like pretty moderate in that they don't get much snow and you know it's kind of dreary cloudy a lot but like the temperatures aren't that extreme right. they stay in a pretty solid middle range so it'd be a lot cooler it'd probably be too cold for you who yeah, I don't like the, the cold. cold. I don't like the cold. You know, you're happy down here in the, yes, in the I am. sweat. In box. the heat, give me the heat. Okay, yeah. uh, something else I wanted to mention: uh, the international photographic competition was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you're a judge, or you're trying to be an official juror. My application's in, Hopefully so I'll, I'll, I'll be talking about it on the show. We're talking about something that was said. That. Uh, one of the things that I find interesting about going to IPC and hosting IPC Live is that I get to sit in the room at the beginning of IPC when they address all of the charge to the judges. You know, the charge stuff. to the judges. And uh, Randy McNeely said something. I think it was Randy. I freaking love Randy. Hey, I love Randy. Uh, and uh, he said something this year I thought was great. Uh, and and was one of those aha moments where you go, oh, Jesus, how come nobody said this before? He was talking about judging. And, and he said, you know, and, you know, and open up your mind a little bit. Uh, and, he said, and he said, for example, um, we call ourselves an international competition. And half the people in the world read from right to left. And when you think about composition, they always tell you, because this is, I live this world, they always tell you when you're doing a horizontal composition that it's a good idea to put your subject on the right because people read their eye tracks left to right. So they come across the picture and then they stop 
on your subject. Whereas if you put your subject on the left, it's here's what I want you to look like, and then you tail off as you track right across the subject. But right. half the people in the world don't look that way. Half right. the people in the world they read left. They read right to left. Right. They start on the right side and track to the left. And so, if you're putting a, an image, a picture, if you have a horizontal image, and you're putting your subject on the left side of the frame, well, for folks in China or whatever, that's exactly the way it should look. Right. It's only us Americans who who read well, left to not right. Only and that, I was like, that rule is wow. That guideline is also arbitrary. You know, like right. It, 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 it's to to use that as a defense to like I how many times I've been told and I did it this year an image that did not merit at state merited at IPC because I flipped they, it. they flip it and that's my point is that for instance you know I, when I'm shooting a beach port a beach people on the beach I've got to work with the sun so I've got to put them in whichever direction is going to put the sun on them for the shot and many times that means that the beach is on the left and they're on the left and my ocean is on the right so they're on the left side of the frame and I'm shooting that and I'm thinking if this is anything really good I need to flip it did you know what you ever notice about life touch because you're you get school pictures for your kids I'm sure sure you ever notice that light touch the light's always on the right no, I never noticed. Yeah, it's always on the right, camera right, and um, it was, and they can't. Years ago, it was because of the the battery packs and the way they had to set the lights up when they first started the company, and they've always put the lights on the right. But statistically, images lit from the left sell better, and people like them better. But they can't change it because that's their brand. So they they literally they 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 Let's want. Let's go back to statistically, images lit from the left. Meaning, if you're looking at your subject, the light is on your left. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I got to redo like the if, studio if here because I'm, I'm going to do if I'm going to do high volume images, um, I always light from the left. Huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. I like my dance pictures from the left. People like them better. Like them better. They sell better if they're lit from the left. Really? Yeah. I actually talked to a pretty senior guy at Life Touch. It makes at, no sense at a though because everybody's face is different. Some people look better from the left. It some doesn't matter look who looks right. better. It's statistically speaking, when it's lit from left, people are more comfortable with it, and it had, I think it's because of the way people read. Oh, because it's brighter and then goes to dark. I think it's 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 and I this is straight from Life Touch. From okay, sure, right? Yeah, because then the, the left side is the left side like, of your frame like, is that's brighter. The biggest pain in Life Touch's ass is that like the, they have to light their images from the right and they want to light them from the left. People like them better. As a, as a do they, what do they think is going to happen? Mass hysteria and walkouts if they switch to the left? Nobody's going to know. Well, here's the thing: if you've got a multi-billion-dollar company and you're going to fundamentally change how things are supposed to be shot, you do. Or you maybe you may be concerned about a two percent change in what people are going to do. I don't. So, I just can't imagine that if they move the light to the left, that it would it would dude, affect their bottom line. I can. I cannot. Nobody tell you, is looking I at tell you how many times that, that those have been famous last words like, "What could possibly what happen?" <laughs> You have to retrain your thousands of thousands of staff members to do something completely differently to set the opposite way. I mean, it would be, it would, it could be. Yeah, but it's a, it's a flip. It's not you know, train them to do it the opposite. You just to put the light on the other it side. Could, it's exactly the same setup. You just I'm move it, move it you, two feet. What, whatever you're thinking, it, the impl- the implementation of it would be a thousand times more complicated than what you're thinking of. Really, as as big as that company is, it's not like you or me. You're like, ah, this year I'm going to shoot from the left. It's like. Our company policy is this is how we light it, and now we have to flip it to the other side. And uh, the, the I here's the thing: we don't even know what we don't know what the implications of that would be for them. Because if it was, Gary, we don't know what we don't what know. we don't know. <laughs> it would be it would be more, definitely more complicated than whatever you or I would think of it. And so, like. I think that um, if it was... Like trying to get a $50 upgrade on a Delta flight. <laughs> I think if it Much were, more complicated I, I than I think if think. it were as easy as all that, it, it would have been done years ago. Right. It would, if it was really easy, they would have done it. Right. There's no question, especially if they think it would be more profitable. But So, it, hey, a little pro tip from you to me, and you're doing volume photography, and you, and you can't light flat, light from the left. Light from the left. And you can't light... You, wait a minute. You said, and you can't light flat. 
like that's the preferred like if you can light well, flat it, it, the problem with lighting flat when you're shooting in volume is glasses that's the biggest problem it's because right. if you get non-reflective lenses like the lenses in your glasses right now right. like are, are reflective and so i can see myself in them i can see my laptop in them and when you light flat you're always going to get a glare on the glasses right. unless they're non-reflective lenses so i think that um m- more often than not in if i'm okay so if i go to a real estate office i'm not going to light flat because if you light flat, you're getting a lot of people with cheap glasses because they're real estate agents. If you go, if I go to a medical convention and it's all like doctors or lawyers or people in finance or people like people who make a lot of money or people who need to look like they make a lot of money, they're going to have more expensive stuff, more expensive clothes, more expensive eyewear. Then I don't worry about it. I'll get like one in two hundred people is going to have is going to have reflective lenses. Okay, and so I will light flat because you know it, it is more pleasing. I think people tend to like flat lighting better for some reason. Um, uh, by and large, because that's what they see the most, and so um, you know. Uh, but if I'm shooting volume, I'll, I'll shoot from the left. I like I like flat, and it's and it's easy, and and I don't do it that much because I feel like I'm cheating because it's so easy. <laughs> you know, I feel like I feel like I'm cheating if I just take the take the PLM and put it right behind me and pop away. Yeah, you know, or I use or use the ring light. You're like, this is too easy. Yeah, you know, I, but it does. It's a nice light. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, it's at the end of the day, it's not about uh, pleasing other photographers as much as it's about pleasing your clients. Oh, and, for me, it's all about the other photographers. Yeah, <laughs> totally is. To it totally is. I, you know, I, I have to honestly say that. Um, Hang I, on, let me interject this though. When you say lighting from wait, the left, here's the other thing about lighting from the it's left. It's unusual for you to interrupt someone. No, it's not at all unusual. But I thought about it and I said I'll hold on to it, and then I forgot it, and now it just came back. And if I try and oh, hold on continue. to it again, you say lighting from the, another advantage of lighting from the left is that if you are working with people, you've got lighting from the left, and you're doing a session, and then you want to shoot horizontal of a person, mm-hmm. if you want to put them on the right side of the frame and have them look back towards the center on the right side because people leave, read left to right if your light's on the left now you're going to be giving them short lighting right so it works in that this is because I when setting up this studio I had that problem I, I, I have my light set up to the right and then when I went to shoot a horizontal picture I realized oh when I go to shoot horizontal I instinctively want to put the person on the right my light is on the right and now I'm broad lighting and I don't want to do that I want a short light so, I'm, so I realized, oh, I need to flip that to the left side because whenever I do horizontal, I want to put it on the right-hand side. And so I saw um, that you some images you've been posting from shooting in here. It's pretty only, yeah, I shot... I had like a, that couple that you met? I had with? a bride and groom come in for their final consoles, and I was like, hey, hop over here, let me take a picture. And, and it was great because I was able to just throw them in there, pam, pam, shoot up a couple, square it up, send it to Facebook. Oh, they liked it, and they posted it. I think it's a great little marketing tool. Yeah. If you have a home studio or whatever, if you can take a quick picture... It's such a neat idea. It's an, I, you know, I just thought it's a nice marketing tool. And then I just like it because, like, Samantha has to have a picture for school tomorrow and I'm like no problem I got the little 4 by 6 dice up printer in there so she'll come in here later and I'll pop one out and print it up and she can take it to school it just makes it easier and you know how it is no matter what you do whatever you do the most you suddenly don't want to do anymore you can follow up with a postcard I could I think that'd be kind of nice follow up with a postcard yeah. oh to the, to with, the couple with their photo yeah Hey, there's an idea. Yeah. I could do that, too. Yeah, you got yeah. your little 4 by 6 Dyson printer in there. And send them a, send them a postcard. Yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, because I shoot location all the time. Yeah. So, for my own fun, I don't want to shoot location. I want to shoot in the studio. Right. Yeah, that's just the way it is. For me, I shoot in the studio all the time, or I shoot in a mobile studio on location, and what I want to do with my spare time is sleep yeah. and drink yeah. beer. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we got to wrap this thing up. Uh, what have we got coming up? Let's see. We have got... Uh, August 23rd, and Jax, that's not, that's, we've already passed August 23rd. September 12th, uh, Focus Orlando, you and I doing the show live. Yeah, the Sunday night. I'm super excited. At like 10.30, we're doing the show. I know. I'm going to be, you know, no, I'm, I'm an old so guy. T- yeah. I'm going to be, be tired by It's all right if you sleep. That's yeah. fine. 
through the show. No, Won't it'll be, the first be it'll time. be good. Again, you know, I love talking about how this is our this is a homecoming for us. You know, because uh, the whole idea was was birthed at Focus two years ago. Yeah, yeah, pretty excited about doing it. I think it's our home crowd. We should be just as drunk when we do the show as we were when we conceived it. Okay. All yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, that's for that. Yeah. Plan. No. I, I. I like where your head's at. I like. That I like too. your thinking. Thank you. I think you're. You're bully. You're, bully to you, sir. Bully to you, sir. <laughs> September eighteenth, I will be at the uh, Hampton Inn in Natick, Massachusetts. Go to ppam.com. You're getting really good yeah, at saying. Ma- well, yeah, but I'm very deliberate. It's Massachusetts. I'm like, I really hit that chew. Chew. Yeah, I really hit the Massachusetts. <laughs> Massachusetts, you're doing great. Massachusetts, September 18th. Go to ppam.com if you are one of our New Englanders and you would like to come see a fantastic one-day program where we're going to start off talking about weddings and then we're going to move into five-minute photography. I will teach you how to take a, big, a great portrait of anyone, anywhere, any time of day, in any lighting condition. And you can do it. I've seen you do yeah, it. So I've seen you do it day. in less than five minutes. Well, I can do it. I can do it in about 30 seconds. Do you know um, uh, when you came and spoke in Orlando and you did that bounce flash picture of uh, Ash Lisevsky just sitting at the table. Yes, and it became she uses her profile picture. It's her profile picture now. It has yeah. been for like a year. <laughs> she yeah. told me she's she like likes one, it that one of the best pictures anyone's ever taken of me. And you did it with the flash on camera and bounced off a wall while she was sitting at a, at a round dining table right. in right. the middle of a yeah. And that's exactly the sort of thing we're going to teach because especially with event photography or even shooting on location with a client, you know, be it seniors or whatever, um, nowadays if you, you need to be able to produce a lot quickly. And we, we, we'd like the idea that, yo, you go and you get one great image after an hour of work. But in today's market, there's just aren't many people that are doing that anymore. You need to show them 30 images. Yeah. And Depending on what you're doing, people do want to see a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. So you need to be able to do it quickly. And if you're doing any events at all, well, then, you know, you got to walk into a room. And within five minutes, you need to be able to produce. I'd say even in, even in what I do on a day-to-day basis, which is to shoot just corporate headshots and actors' headshots in my studio, if I can produce and I sell retouched images as an upgrade, and so if I just do like, I say, okay, 30 minutes, two looks, if I get that third look in there and it's good, they buy it. Right. So, I mean, there's no reason why getting more looks in a shorter amount of time couldn't benefit you financially. Sure. It's, a, it's a huge thing you can add to your business. Not to mention it's just, you know, less work. Yeah. You know, you know I, I don't, I don't, I don't, you don't want to get a client there and take 20 minutes trying to figure out how to take their picture. No. You, yeah. You definitely don't want to do that. And to me, it's the mark of a photographer. A really good photographer is somebody that you can go, here's your camera, here's a light, uh, here's a person, take a good picture, go. And within a minute or two, they've got a picture. Yeah. You know, even if it's just a headshot, it's a good one. And it's better than anyone else who doesn't do what we do could have produced. That to me, that's a photographer. And that's a person who deserves the master photography destination, even if he cannot merit a competition. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Let it go. Let it go. All right. Hey, you know, I only got one loan collection image at the competition. Oh, it must be awful for you to only have one loan. It's hard. It's tough to only have one. It is when we have a lot of friends who did way, way better. Yes, we do. It stinks. I have a friend in particular, uh, Miss Derryberry by name, who likes to tell me how she understands how I feel. She's never had a picture not merit, ever. Jeez. You do not know how I feel. <laughs> Trust me. You no, do not know how I feel. It's, it's like that, me saying, listen, childbirth is tough. I know how you feel. It's pretty no, much the I opposite not know. of knowing how it's I exactly feel. It's exactly the opposite of knowing how I feel. <laughs> it, it is 100% the complete opposite complete of how I feel. complete turn around in the opposite direction of how I feel. Oh, but I can imagine. I can, no, no, you, you, no you, can't. you can't. You cannot imagine how I feel. <laughs> All right. So I will be uh, in Georgia at the Georgia PPA in September. 
um, judging and speaking at their convention on Jekyll Island, and I think that's gppa.com. If you want to come check that out, I'll All be right. there. It'll be cool. We'll hang out and go to the beach. My daughter and my wife will be with me. It'll be pretty cool. You can also see uh, Lindsay Adler will be there, so it's going to be a pretty cool convention. If you don't dig me, you got to dig her. She's on, by the way, sure. I saw her speak in um, New Orleans. At we, we were both speaking at the at the Louisiana convention. She is an awesome teacher. Lindsay? Yeah. Oh, she's great. Like, yeah. I, I've always enjoyed her work, but man, she's a really good teacher. Yeah, she is. And especially when she showed her work, like when she started and she shows her work now, you're like, oh, I could be that good one day. Oh, that, and that's very helpful when you see the crap we start with and, and yeah. it helps you if you're just starting out. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah, you know, that person sucked too. Like, the best thing you did when you spoke at Imaging, uh, last minute spoke at Imaging uh, two years ago. Oh, you showed the before and after. You showed the picture of the, of the groomsman that you put against the wall with the, the garden hose. Bed. With the garden hose. There's a garden hose in the wall, but coming out of the wall, and you didn't even, and, and you're like, there's the garden hose. And it's all, oh, it's perfect. Yeah, man. It's, it's, you know, the thing is, I'd like to tell people about when I teach is like, photography is not rocket science. It's not being an engineer. Like, you could be good at it in a short amount of time if you apply your Yourself, you know, and if you right. get good teachers, so like everybody, calm down. We're not curing cancer. We're not putting men on the moon. We're taking pictures, and that's important. But let's just put it in perspective. We're not here. curing cancer on the moon. We're not, we're not curing moon cancer. We're not curing the moon cancer. <laughs> there are many things we're not doing. I can give you a whole list of things we're not doing. I'm really loving the uh, Hogwarts uh, pattern sock that you have over your microphone today. I think that's really good. It's a great visual for the folks who know what you're talking about. My microphone is uh, giving me a lot of highs, so we had to put a, a, a something over it. So I, I went and got a sock, and it's like a multicolored, looks like something Harry Potter would I'm gonna wear. I'm going to take a picture. We're going to post take a on picture Facebook and put it on Facebook. Page. All right. Yeah, In the on. meantime, if you'd like to find us online, the website is photobombpodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook, which is really where most of the activity takes place. Go to Facebook and look up uh, Photobomb Podcast on Facebook and be sure and follow us there. You can find Gary at HughesFioretti.com. Yes, you can. You can find me at BourreyPerry.com and we will see you back here again next week. If you're lucky. We'll see you later. And light from the left. (laughs) 